It's a news day today, including what you've all been waiting for, the triumphant return of hashtag GoACC news. You've missed it. Admit it. It's locked on ACC. It's right now. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Hi, hello, local citizens and those around the world. This is Locked on ACC. It is Monday, June 8th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I am from FBSchedules.com and College Hoops Digest. So glad you're here. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com and our promo code Locked On, you'll get 10 bucks off your first order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Contact the program we would love for you to do that. You can tweet us. We are at LockedOnACC. You can email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. You can tweet me individually. I am at Sports Matters on the Twitters. We'd love to hear from you. Mentioned a news day today. That's really what it's going to be, just a lot of news items today. And we're going to get back into the kind of the light side. Because it's been a while since we've talked about anything light. So we're going to get back into some light news today. The return of hashtag GoACC News, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, because why not? Let's start with, speaking of returns, the return of one of our favorite programs on a regular basis, Packer and Durham, you'll probably note, went to kind of the weekly thing during this whole pandemic. They were unable to broadcast from the basement. They couldn't broadcast on a regular basis. Now they're back. They're from Split Studios, but they are back on a daily basis Beginning this morning, you probably saw Packer and Durham back for two hours a day, every day. We welcome them back. They begin each day at 8 a.m. They will be on the ACC network from 8 to 10, and then that show will rerun from 10 to noon, and then again at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you want to watch Packer and Durham, if you've missed the program as we have, it's very easy to catch up with them again Go to ACC Network, watch Packer and Durham three times a day, 8, 10, and 4 Eastern. Some of the things you can watch tomorrow if you watch the ACC Network, if you're wanting to find out what you can see. Miami Clemson men's basketball from December 31st of 19 will be on at 2 a.m. If you're up at that hour, as some of us, not raising any hands, usually are. 6 a.m., Notre Dame at Syracuse from January 4th of earlier this year. Miami at Clemson again at 2 p.m. in case you're not wanting to stay up for the 2 a.m. showing. Also, that Notre Dame-Syracuse game will run at 7. Virginia at BC will run at 8.30. And then NC State at North Carolina will run at 10.30 on the women's side. That from January 9th that at 10.30 tomorrow night, June 9th, on ACC Network. The Auburn at Clemson football game, Wednesday, June 10th. That from 2011. That's a midnight rerun. 2 a.m. Carolina-Maryland from the ACC basketball semifinal in 1998. A fun game. Continuing the 1998 theme. Duke-Kentucky from the 1998 Jimmy V Classic will be part of Wednesday's programming on the ACC Network. Virginia Tech-Syracuse football from 1998 will also be on there. Georgia Tech-Virginia football from 1997 will be on at 10 o'clock Wednesday night. Quite a few interesting games that are going to be shown. 
And then, of course, the documentary I got a chance to watch again recently, 1186 to Omaha, the documentary of the 2015 Virginia baseball team will be on the ACC Network Friday, that running at 7 a.m. and 5 p.m., along with some lacrosse matches. So if you're a lacrosse person, Friday is your day. Some men's and women's lacks running on Friday on the ACC Network. We're starting to get back into bringing kids back to school. We're seeing some of the voluntary workouts starting to get underway, which we're thankful for. It's going to be really an unusual time, uh, but we're starting to get back. Speaking, by the way, of students coming back and of fall football, a news item today in the Roanoke Times talking about Virginia Tech and its football plan. Now, granted, this is one school, but a lot of them will likely be this way. This again from the Roanoke Times today, talking about some of the plans that Tech has for football. It says, the university said fans shouldn't expect full stadiums in the fall, quoting, such events are not possible at the densities to which we are accustomed, close quoting. They're also going to release protocols for attendance later in the summer. Whit Babcock, according to this, has worked up models for games with no fans, limited fans, and full fan attendance. Babcock quoted in this, I would never say never because we were going to play the NCAA basketball tournament without any fans, but I would have to lean. If it's not safe enough for fans and students to come back, I would have a hard time operating a football game under that premise. But if I've learned nothing else, it's that things change very rapidly. That from April. The article continues. It says, for there to even be a fall football season, Tech said Monday that players must be able to safely conduct practices by mid-July. A six-week preseason camp has been publicly floated by many athletic directors and coaches in recent weeks, says quoting again, with respect to football, the NCAA and the ACC are evaluating return-to-play models. If practices cannot be conducted safely by mid-July, the start of the season could be delayed, closed quoting. Tech, one of those schools that's starting the voluntary workouts this week, according to this, 25 to 30 players will be part of this first wave. They'll have to go through screening protocols before they can go back to practice. They'll also work out in groups of 10 or less, as this says, fewer, is how it should say. That aside, they they are hoping to bring back more students as they get the chance to throughout the summer and then medically clear them and get them back out there. Virginia Tech spokesperson Pete Morris says, we're moving slowly and carefully. There are two ways to take this. There's the way of, well, you know, if it's not safe, we're just not going to have events. But there's also quite a bit of positivity in there. If you look at the fact that they are coming up with contingency plans for how to at least get some people into the stands. I think that's probably the best way for all of it to go because you want money, obviously, for the athletic department. You have fans that want to get out and see their team play. Players, obviously, want that home field advantage. They want people in the stands. I think it's the best thing for everybody involved. Now, sure, you have to do it safely. The safety argument is not one we're going to have on this program because it would take way longer than the time we have available, but Whatever your thoughts on that, it probably is best that they do it the safest way possible, and they are working with the departments of health in the various states and the other resources they have available to them to try to make sure that they do that the most prudent way they can. Even still, like I say, there are two ways to look at this. I'm taking the positive route. However you wish to take it, you can, but I'm taking the positive route in this. So I'm going to go ahead and make the bold statement there will be football in some manner. Who knows? 
Our news-filled show just getting underway. So much more to tell you. Before we tell you more about what's going on around the ACC, let's tell you a little bit about Built Bar. Built Bar, we've told you about for the last month plus. It's a protein bar that we love here at Locked On. It tastes like a candy bar. There are 16 regular flavors. Eight are chocolate and nut flavors. Eight chocolate and nut-free. That chocolate is 100% chocolate. It's soft. It tastes good. It's easy for you to eat. You're not having to choke it down. If you're trying to get onto a health plan, if you're trying to maintain your health plan that you're already on, these bars are low-calorie, they're low-sugar, they're high-protein, they're high-fiber, everything you could possibly want in a snack that will help you maintain your health. Right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, 10 bucks off your first order. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Get some of these tasty bars that we all love here at the Locked On Podcast Network. We're confident that you will, too. More news around the ACC. This is Locked on ACC for June 8th. I'm Brian Wilmer. Some baseball news that we wanted to relay to you. 12 ACC players were named to the Collegiate Baseball Division I All-America team. Granted, we had a fairly short season. It's kind of tough to have an All-America team, but we have one. And the ACC announced it. Seven players on the second team. Aaron Sabato, the North Carolina first baseman. Cody Morissette, the BC third baseman. Virginia third baseman Zach Geloff, outfielder Chris Newell, along with Miami pitchers Brian Van Bell and Chris McMahon, and NC State pitcher Nick Sweeney on that second team ACC squad. The third teamers, Virginia Tech catcher Carson Taylor, Clemson Sam Weatherly, Virginia Tech's Ian Seymour. They join the first teamers, starting pitchers Reed Detmers of Louisville, and Bryce Jarvis of Duke. Also, along with those players, we had some players named to the Collegiate Baseball Freshman All-America team. A number of those players, including Chris Newell of Virginia, played 18 games this season. Of course, that's all we really got a chance to see, but 407, four home runs, 20 RBIs, eight stolen bases in those 18 games. Along with Newell, Selections included Jeffrey Gilbert of Clemson, the pitcher, Florida State first baseman Dylan Simmons, third baseman Tyler Martin, and pitcher Parker Messick, Georgia Tech first baseman Drew Compton, Yellow Jacket pitcher Dalton Smith, D.H. Stephen Reed, Louisville second baseman Tim Borden, NC State shortstop Jose Torres, Notre Dame utility player Jack Brannigan, Virginia second baseman Max Cotier, and Virginia Tech outfielder Gavin Cross. Newell was also, as you heard, a second-team selection to the All-America team. So some ACC players getting plaudits even in a shortened baseball season. By the way, for those of you who had a chance to watch this, I'm not sure how many of you did, but over the weekend, ESPN aired the, I think it was the CSBI, the Collegiate Baseball Tournament that was held in Bryan, Texas. It had four teams. It was a number of collegiate guys that got together and they all stayed in the same hotel, didn't leave the hotel except to go to the ballpark. They tested all the players. They tested all the umpires, all the staff, et cetera, et cetera. And they had some baseball games over the weekend. It was good to just see baseball again. I've been watching some of the Korean baseball organization stuff, and that's fine. But it was good to actually see some collegiate baseball. We had collegiate baseball all weekend. We also had some decided in one of the more interesting ways imaginable. The way these tournaments worked, or the way these games worked, I should say, we had, if it was tied after nine innings, they would play one extra inning with both teams starting with the bases loaded and nobody out. 
If it was still tied after that extra inning, it went to a home run derby involving two players from each team, and there was actually a game decided that way over the weekend. I'm not sure what I think about that as a method of deciding games, but at least for what I saw of it, it was pretty awesome. I like the chaos of having the uh, the extra you know, innings as long as they go. But the home run derby in the middle of it is kind of cool too. Like I say, good to just see baseball again. I was excited about that. Another news piece to pass along. A joint statement from the FBS conferences along with CBS, ESPN, Fox Sports, and the various networks. As you know, I am a football scheduling person, being from FB Schedules. They announced, quoting, Collectively, the conferences and television networks have agreed to an extension for determining college football's early season game times beyond the standard June 1st deadline. These kickoff times and network designations will be announced at a later date as we all continue to prepare for the college football season. So if you're looking for your school's schedule in the early season, where the games will be shown at all, you'll need to wait a little longer. They'll be releasing that information shortly. Speaking of college football schedules, we talked quite a bit over the last few weeks about college football schedules, and I wanted to pass along something from Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports talking about college football schedules and talking around the ACC schedule. He went into the schedules around the ACC teams and his methodology, he says, I rank all 130 teams using a statistical model that judges teams based on their performances in games. My opinion plays no role in it. History often gives us the best glimpse into the future, so I use rankings from the previous seasons to get an idea of how good any given team can expect to be in the next season. Teams are then given a weight that coincides with their past performance, and these weights are applied when going through each team's schedule. I then add or subtract additional weights based on where and when the game's being played. Road games are more difficult than home games, for example, and playing a Thursday night game after playing the previous Saturday adds a degree of difficulty. Playing eight straight weeks without a bye does too. After inputting all this information, a number is produced that shows a team's projected strength of schedule. One thing to keep in mind before you go through the rankings is the best teams in a conference are often... One thing to keep in mind before you go through these rankings is that the best teams in a conference are at somewhat of a disadvantage compared to their conference mates as they do not get to play themselves. That naturally hinders that school's SOS against the other programs in the conference that do face it. Conversely, the worst team doesn't play itself, and that impacts the floor of its SOS projection. He says the overall score is the team's strength of schedule compared to the average of all 130 FBS teams. For example, 21.34% is better than average. A negative score indicates below average. He says Colorado, 39.19%, will enter 2020 with the toughest projected schedule among Power 5 teams, while Syracuse at negative 6.4% will have the easiest. The conference score is the same principle, but it's in relation to the average score of the schedules within that team's conference. And the way he gave for Georgia Tech being the first, he said the Yellow Jackets projected strength of schedule ranks sixth in the nation. If the ACC hadn't been so mediocre the last few years outside Clemson, it would have ranked first. The Bs, as he calls them, are playing a non-conference schedule from hell. They'll play games against UCF and Notre Dame at home and Georgia on the road, toss in a home date with Clemson to open the season, and that's three games against teams who have reached the college football playoff in the last few years, and another against a program who many felt should have been in the CFP with them. Overall strength of schedule, 30.20%. ACC, 23.55%. We talked about that when we did the Georgia Tech show. I mentioned that a lot of people are bullish on Georgia Tech, 
I still think it's a year early, particularly when you consider this schedule and how tough it is. Continuing, Florida State next says Mike Norvell's first season with the Seminoles will not be an easy one. The team's non-conference schedule consists of two Power 5 opponents in Florida and West Virginia, as well as a road game against one of the top Group of 5 programs, Boise State. Then there's the conference slate, which includes Clemson and some tricky road games against NC State, Louisville, and Miami. Overall, 28.03%, ACC 21.18%. Louisville next. The Cardinals are here thanks in large part to two difficult non-conference games in November. In back-to-back weeks, the Cardinals will play on the road against Notre Dame and then home against Kentucky to finish the season. They're also in a difficult spot of having to open the season with two ACC games, one of which being on the road against Clemson. Also, it doesn't help that the Cards draw both Virginia Tech and and Virginia from the Coastal. Those two finished atop the division last season. Overall, 22.71%. ACC, 15.35%. We give you the top three teams and the bottom three teams, and we can talk through more of this as time goes along, but I wanted to share with you the top three, the bottom three, the bottom three beginning with Clemson, number 12. Clemson has no chance to rank highly because it doesn't get to play Clemson. The disparity between Clemson and the rest of the ACC is reflected in seven of the top 10 teams in these projections playing Clemson. Only one team outside the top 10 does. The Tigers have a decent non-conference slate headlined by a road game against Notre Dame. Unfortunately, the annual game with South Carolina doesn't carry as much weight after a couple of mediocre seasons, nor does playing Akron and the Citadel. Overall, negative 0.52%, ACC negative 10.09%. Virginia Tech next at 13th. This is a home game against Penn State is one of the tougher non-conference games that any ACC team will play this season, indeed. The rest of Tech's non-conference schedule doesn't come close to it. The Hokies play Liberty, Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. We talked about that North Alabama game when we did Tech schedule. That's North Alabama's first ever game against an FBS opponent. Virginia Tech also avoids Clemson and Florida State from the Atlantic, though it will have to go on the road to face Louisville. In the division, the Hokies have to face both UNC and Pitt on the road, but get both Miami and Virginia at Lane Stadium. Overall, negative 5.23%, ACC negative 15.25%. And Syracuse, as we mentioned, having the easiest. Says Syracuse not only has the easiest projection in the ACC, but the easiest of any Power 5 program. The reason is thanks to, in large part, a non-conference schedule consisting of Rutgers, Colgate, Western Michigan, and Liberty. It should be noted that Rutgers and Western Michigan are on the road. There's also a road game against Clemson, but that can only do so much to counter the non-conference slate. Outside the Clemson game, road games in the ACC against Boston College, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh won't be easy, but could have been a lot more difficult. All in all, this is a schedule that sets the orange up for a rebound in 2020. Overall, negative 6.4%. ACC, negative 16.54%. It may set Syracuse up for a rebound. However, if they live more toward the projection of their win total being around 4, that won't end well for Dino Babers. Just saying. So there's a look at what Tom Fornelli forecasts as the Three easiest and three toughest schedules in ACC football coming up. Again, we're thinking positive vibes here. We're looking ahead to football this coming fall in 2020. We hope you are too. The long-awaited return of hashtag GoACC is next. You're listening to Locked on ACC. It's Monday, June 8, 2020. As we mentioned, this is Locked on ACC. I'm Brian Wilmer. Before we get into the hashtag GoACC stuff, I wanted to briefly go over this because I can only imagine how I would react if this happened to me. It's not in ACC territory, but just one day after Caesars Palace grand reopening, 
A guest won $670,637 at a table in the casino. Again, take that in. $670,637. According to a release sent out by Caesars Entertainment Group, the guest who did not wish to be identified, shocker, was playing the poker game Let It Ride Friday evening when they hit the progressive jackpot. Caesars reopened at 10 a.m. Thursday after almost three months of being closed. Caesars reports this is the first time the casino has been closed since it originally opened its doors 54 years ago. I'm just telling you right now, if I were at a table, and I'm not really a big table games guy, except for you know playing the occasional limit game of poker, but if I were at a table and I hit $670,637 worth, A, I would not be identified either, and B, I, uh, I'm going to have to step away from the table for a little bit. That's all I'll say about that. Moving on. Dateline the coal fields of Virginia. Not exactly where I'm from, but close enough. When 23-year-old Cole Carini showed up Wednesday at a Virginia hospital missing a hand and several fingers on his other hand, he blamed a lawnmower accident, federal authorities say. But police, who knew that Carini had a previous conviction on explosives charges, got a search warrant for his Richland's home and called in the FBI. According to the Daily Beast, investigators found no signs that the lawn had been mowed recently or of any lawnmower accident, according to an FBI affidavit. They did find a trail of blood leading from a red minivan in the driveway into the home and up the stairs to Carini's bedroom. In the room, investigators found more blood, bits of flesh, a bottle of explosives, and a box of rusty nails. They also found what appeared to be a homemade bomb that had exploded, peppering the room with shrapnel, according to the affidavit. In a shed at his grandmother's nearby home, investigators found PVC pipes, wires, batteries, and other potential bomb-making equipment, along with a crumpled note, the affidavit said. The note expressed anger at, quote, hot cheerleaders, closed quote, along with several other things, which I won't go into. When investigators questioned Carini at the hospital, he said his injuries resulted from a lawnmower tipping over, mangling his hands, and then exploding, the affidavit said. He also denied having any explosives at his home. Carini has been charged with lying to federal investigators about how he was injured and whether or not he possessed explosives, the release from the U.S. Attorney's Office said. It's a situation where my son needs help, and I hope he gets the help he needs, said Carini's mother, according to the Daily Beast. We hope he gets the help he needs, too. But, uh, yeah. Don't lie about lawnmower accidents. Moving on. Dateline Fort Myers, Florida. Glazed or jelly? A black bear roaming around a Florida city proved no match for the donuts that lured the animal into a humane trap. The bear's name wasn't Homer, was it? The Fort Myers News Press reports that the juvenile 250-pound or 113-kilogram bear spent a good chunk of Tuesday morning meandering around the Gulf Coast city Wildlife officials say bears tend to move more in the spring in search of mates and food, of course. In such a a congested area, tranquilizing the bear wasn't an option, according to Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission officer Adam Brown. He said the drugs don't always work immediately on large animals such as bears. Quote, when we use a tranquilizer, the bear will sometimes run away and we didn't want to take any chance of it running into traffic or the residential area, closed quote, he said. So instead... Officers turned to donuts from Krispy Kreme and some blueberry pie-scented spray in a trap that did the trick. Brown said the bear was relocated to a state-managed wildlife area. Authorities estimate there are about 4,000 black bears in Florida. Wildlife officials say people should be sure to secure their garbage cans and not put them out the night before pickup because it gives bears more opportunity to get into them. Also, be careful with your picnic baskets. 
And finally, also Dateline Fort Myers, what in the world is going on in southwest Florida? A woman en route to get her morning coffee was jolted awake with pounding on her front door she later discovered to be... Wait for it. Two alligators fighting in front of her home. The video of the surprising encounter in Fort Myers was posted on Facebook last week by Susan Geschel. When she first saw the reptiles before 7 a.m., Geschel told the Fort Myers News Press that one of the alligators had his snout pinned on her door while the other was stationed at a distance with its snout wide open. At least they're social distancing, I guess. The video then shows Geschel calling her husband in surprise as one of the alligators clamped its jaws on the other's body and pushed it to the wall as it moved away from the house. Okay, so much for social distancing. Quote, They made a mess on the front door, Geschel, who has never seen alligators on her property in Fort Myers, said. After about 20 minutes by her house, one of the alligators walked across the street to a neighbor's home while the other disappeared from the area and could have gone to a nearby pond, she added. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission spokeswoman Melody Kilborn, that's a busy department these days, said the fighting alligators were reacting to being in a confined space. No comment. The reptiles who Kilborn said are most visible when the weather is warm also tend to mate during May and June, according to the Wildlife Agency. Yeah, it's probably a safe tip. If you, if you ever see brawling alligators in front of your house, call somebody immediately. Call somebody to get them off of your property and call somebody to take video. On that note, <laughs> let's bring to a close today's episode of Locked on ACC. Again, you can tweet the program. We are at Locked on ACC. You can also email us, lockedonacc at gmail.com. You can tweet me individually. I am at Sports Matters. We love your feedback. And if you find value in what you hear here, please like, rate, follow, share, subscribe. Get the word out. We need all the word being spread that we can possibly get. And really, if you just want to contribute anything at all, whether it be a voice memo, hear your voice on the program, whatever it may be, we would love to hear from you. Also, while you're doing all that, tell your smart speaker to play the latest episodes of any of our Locked On Conference shows, whether it be ACC, we hope, Big Ten, etc., etc. We would love for you to support our program and to support the Locked On Podcast Network. Until we meet again, I am Brian Wilmer. This has been Locked On ACC. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Love y'all.